0: Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real-life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself, and find your truth. Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. My name is Sloane Fremont, and I'm your host. I really love the title for this week. This week's title is Emotionally Nutritious Thoughts and Giving Up Your Investment in Fear. Both of these phrases come from the book of the author I'm interviewing this week. Her name is Jilda Joffe, and she's the author of the book, Dancing with Your Muse, Inner Magic to Release Fear and Embrace Creativity. And if you're someone who fear rules your inner world, which then actually limits what you do in your outer world or if fear is the compass by which you live your life um, and it keeps you stuck in the same place, or if fear just really tends to show up and you feel like it's keeping you from who you really are, then you're not going to want to miss this episode. Jilda and I have an amazing discuss- discussion about fear about what it does to us, about creativity, about the importance of creativity, why we are all creative beings, and you don't have to be an artist or a musician to be considered creative creative. Creativity shows up for us all day, every day as humans. We are creators. We're creating everything, which is the title of the show, Create What You Speak. So we really get into these two areas of fear and creativity, and I really love Jilda's perspective on what she has to say. So stay tuned; you're you're going to love this episode. Uh, before we get into the show, though, I just want to remind you of a couple things. Uh, if you're not signed up for my newsletter, please do that. Go to sloanfremont.com, and on the right hand side, you're going to see uh, just a little box. You can enter your name and email address. Uh, no spam; will go to you. This is how you can get your updates on latest podcast episodes on any of the upcoming events I have. I'm create, I told you last week, I'm creating some different products. And so those on my newsletter list will be the first one to know about that. So make sure you sign up there. If you have to pause this episode, pause the video, pause it, however you're listening, get signed up and then come back and join us. The second thing I want to remind you of is if we're not connected on social media, I would love to connect with you. All my social media links are in the show notes. So please be sure to connect there. Again, pause the video, pause the audio if you have to, so we can get connected um, because I'd love to learn more about you. And this is how you can stay up to date. You can know what's going on. And also you can, this is how you can connect with me. If you have questions, if you want to talk about anything on any of the episodes, if you want to carry that conversation over, social media is a great place to do that. So make sure you get connected. Use the links in the show notes before to do all that. All right, so let's get to it. Joining me today is Jilda Joffe, author of the book, Dancing with Your Muse, Inner Magic to Release Fear and Embrace Creativity. Fear of failure is a universal issue that can hold even the most talented of people back from reaching their full potential. This book is a series of 30 essays, which speak about the common and debilitating anxieties encountered on the path to creative expression and encourages you to seek success on your own terms. Jilda, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Oh, thank you, Sloan. I really appreciate your inviting me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Yes. Well, I have to say, I absolutely loved your book. Um, everything in the book spoke to me in such a way I, you know, I, I was as i was making my notes for the show um one of the big things that i appreciated about your book was was your sense of humor of how you wrote the stories and and in the essays when you share your experiences and you share other people's stories that you worked with um everything was so relatable it was very um gently approached on such a a topic that can be one that makes people want to run the other way
1: <laughs> well this is true and people usually do run the other way yeah. Uh, which is why they don't really get to access the, the solutions to their own right. fears. Right. And I understand those fears because I've been through them. It's not like I'm talking from Mount Olympus and I've never experienced any of this. This book comes from my, my own experiences and those of my colleagues and, uh, students and friends and clients. So yeah, it's, we yeah. don't want to
0: run. No, exactly. So why don't we start out by having you tell us um, just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book?
1: Oh, it's a long story, but <laughs> to make it very short, I was a performing violinist for most of my life. And during that time, I just saw in my own life how when someone being creative or in a business arena or in any other profession, what stops them from moving forward when they can move forward, but simply are afraid of following their own inner vision, so to speak.
2: Yeah. Whether
1: it's by society stopping them, saying that they shouldn't go forward, can't go forward, must not go forward, it's not right to go forward, whatever the the opinion is, mm-hmm. and following it. And so I've, I saw a lot of that in my students and in my clients, and I saw the pain that came from not following that inner vision. And I really, really wanted to find a way to help people to get beyond that point yes. so that they would not be stopped.
0: Yeah. And you, in the beginning of your book, you tell the story of when you, I think you're around 12 years old and you had this experience at this music recital and you learned something very powerful at that age. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
1: sure. I was petrified. I was more than petrified. I was beyond petrified wood, but... What I learned in that experience from that story is that everything I was experiencing was brought on by myself. It might have had an exterior stimulus, but the actual feeling was something that I could control within myself. Uh, And when I discovered that, I realized that my whole life could change,
2: Yeah, which
1: was a huge realization for someone so young. Now that's not to say that for the rest of my life from the age of 12, everything was hunky dory and I was able to just, you know, no fear, but it planted a seed within myself. And I understood that it all begins and ends with ourselves. Yeah. And that's a huge responsibility, but also a huge freedom.
0: It is. And it's, it puts the control back on us, right? Because often, especially with fear or in, you know, anxiety often rides along with fear. And when we, I know for myself, those feelings just, are just like wildfire. They just spread, you know, you can feel them throughout your body. You know, often I feel mine in my stomach. It feels like somebody's stabbing my stomach. And when, when we, with that story in the book and, and you share how, um, how really you saw you had both ends of the spectrum where you saw, you felt yourself in the fear. And then you saw another student who was able to move more into that calm space. And you saw, wait a minute, if I can do one, I can do the other. And that that control, we often to me, and I talk a lot about it on the show. We, it, it's often as if everyone else has the control over us, except ourselves. But when we go back into the driver's seat and realize, no, wait a minute, I am the one in control. I am the one. Yes, I can experience these feelings. And and being in control doesn't mean, like you said, you're never going to experience fear again. That that's not what we're saying with this. But what we are saying is, what are we going to do with that when it comes up again? Right? Are we going to let it control us? Are we going to let us, let it, um, have it keep us in our little tiny box where we always stay the same, right? Or are we going to choose to do something different with it?
1: Right. And exactly everything that you said and something else, which took me rather a long time to realize, but fear is not the enemy. It is not Mm. an enemy. Fear is actually a friend. First of all, it's trying to protect you from something which it thinks you need protecting from. right? And secondly, it's a signpost for something else, which shows you what you need to surmount in yourself to move forward. Yeah. It's simply a sign. Now, obviously, if something is running after you and is going to eat you, you're not going to stand there and analyze it. You're going to run. That's our biological instinct. And we need to follow our instincts because other information is coming in that we don't necessarily know about in our brain, but we know Mm -hmm. about it somewhere else. So we do not ignore fear, nor are we cowed by it. Fear is a Wise counselor, but we need to listen to what it is saying rather than to just take its words and uh, the upper surface of the meeting and just follow that. It's a dialogue with fear to find out what it means.
0: Right. And I was, I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends the other day and we were talking about this and about that, those variations of the voices we hear in our head. And she, she said, you know, I asked myself, cause she was going through something and, and she said, you know, I asked myself whose voice is this actually, right? Whose voice is saying these things? Is it actually my voice? Is it society's voice? Is it my family's voice? You know, all these different voices. And I think when we're thinking about fear, especially it's so easy to have every other, everybody else's voices pile in and it all becomes all meshed together. And we just think it's our own and we think it's our own thoughts and everything that um, it, it comes from us. But if we start to dissect it pay attention to it like you're saying we might realize it's actually not our own voice
1: yes and i think it's really difficult to realize what is our own voice yeah we have our teachers we have our parents we have our friends we have society we have pressure from all sorts of people and it's not so easy to figure out what one really thinks yeah even if you sit down and have a dialogue with yourself and ask yourself well, what do i really think about this it's not so easy to come up with an answer But it is important to at least get an inkling of what we think and then to try to pull out like the Gordian knot, try to pull out the threads and figure out what is it that we think, what is it that the society thinks, what is important about both of those points of view, Mm -hmm. because they may Mm -hmm. both have something that's truly helpful for us. We need to sort of balance them out and see and tease out what the truth of it is. Not only the truth of the situation, but the truth for ourselves. Yes. Those can be two different things.
0: Totally. And I think even I've often asked myself, what do I, if I, especially if I'm struggling with trying to understand who, like whose voice I'm actually hearing or, or what's really going, I'll ask myself, what's really going on here? You know, I'll, I'll ask myself that to try to start to pull this apart. And then sometimes I'll even say, well, what do I actually want to think about this? you know, what, what do I want? What, what is it that I, I don't, I can, if I'm struggling with trying to dissect all the parts of it, what do I actually want to think about? And then I find it easier just to take that path and see where it leads me rather than letting myself, um, you know, like circ, like circle the drain and, and, and then the reasons why I can't come up with the answers, you know, all these things that we do in our heads to to right. try to keep ourselves stuck.
1: And you just said a really important thing, all the things we do in our heads. Yeah. A lot of the decisions when I'm really stuck and I've made my list of pros and cons and I've yeah. done it a million times and I'm nowhere closer than I was when I started. I really then have to go away from my head and go to my heart. Yeah. Because there's a huge amount of information. And I just mentioned that as a uh, heart math trainer, having mm-hmm. delved into that. There's a huge amount of information that comes to us that we don't access from um just using our brain all the time. Right. The heart takes in a lot of information from the outside and we don't always listen. We're not talking about this, of course, in a romantic sense or anything like that. But there's a definite wisdom, which if we train ourselves to listen more often to it, not putting the answer in there and then listening to the answer that we want. Right. Listening to the answer that may percolate up and we say, oh, oh, I didn't think of that before. Yeah. It's true. We didn't think of it because it wasn't a brain thing. Right. And number two, it's a wisdom which is trying to reach us, but we don't normally listen to that, uh, to that megaphone. Yeah. For information. Yeah,
0: and, and sometimes, you know, we're taught to think with our brains, right? All through school, all through, if you're any job you've had you know, your lead, like what, what's the logical thought of whatever the situation is. Right. And so that listening in to the heart and what I love about that when, when, when we take the time to do that is if you ask yourself, if you ask your heart questions, you will get answers, you will get answers. And sometimes again, like you said, it's maybe it's not the answer that you want it to be, but it's the answer that, it's the answer that you know is there that it's like you're 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 not paying attention to, or you're stuffing it down, and and that stuffing down or not paying attention to, is part of the suffering that we put ourselves through.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely right. And one needs to remember that the brain is like a big library. Mm-hmm. It makes decisions based upon the information that is in the library. Yeah, it only gets, um, it, but it gets information from outside sources, from the heart actually. The heart sends 80% information up to the brain, then the brain makes decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. But it can only make decisions based on input. It does not make decisions based on uh, other material that the heart has. So that's why you go round and round in circles with the brain but you don't necessarily get the answer that you want. Now, that is not right. to discount the brain and everything else. We know how important that is. Right. But it is true what you said, that the kind of information you get from your heart is not a predetermined answer based on what you have in your brain already. It's based on other input, which we don't usually pay attention to.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And if you do follow your heart, you will find that you will never make a wrong decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes, and it just
1: doesn't work that way,
0: right? And and I want to move into so we've talked about fear a little bit, and then the other element of your book is talking is about creativity. And I really loved how throughout the book you shared you shared reminders, you shared stories, you shared why, you know, why creativity is so important. Right. And, and one of my favorite quote, probably that, and I actually told somebody this quote yesterday and they were like, Ooh, cause it was <laughs> such a juicy way to write this, but <clears throat> you said, um, and you're talking about creativity in the book and you say, therefore it is of paramount importance that what we think is of the most emotionally nutritious nature, if we are to have a happy and creative life. And I loved that the most emotionally nutritious nature, because most people don't even eat a nutritious diet. So even to have nutritious thoughts is, is something that's like, you know, is, is not something people most commonly do. So in creativity, you know, it's such a big topic, but maybe let's start. What does creativity mean to you and and who is creativity for?
1: Well, to answer the second part, creativity is for everyone because we are born like that. Yeah. There isn't yeah. a child who was born who's not going to be creative, sitting on the floor and doing something, mm-hmm. making a big mess, or it's a mess to the parents, but to the child, it's incredibly creative. So creativity is for everybody. Creativity is even for animals who are creative. If you've yeah. ever watched a pro take a stick and get put it into a hole and get something out. Uh, so they're more creative than we think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what does creativity mean to me? It simply means... Creativity, I think, is really an expansion and production of your own potential. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, mm-hmm. whatever form it may take. It does. And that means any profession of any kind can right. be creative. Creativity does not mean someone who just holds a brush, a pencil, words, or whatever the art forms are. Right. Creativity is not just an art form. Creativity is the thought process mm-hmm. and how we live.
0: Yes. And you say that in the book about, I mean, we're creating all day, right? We're creating, even if we're doing the laundry, right? Trying to fold it in a certain way or wedge it into the drawer. So it's very neat, you know, whatever, the simplest of things we can be creative in. And you think about things that people do at their home to like, um, I don't know, save space or, um, you know, oh, I need something to do this. So I went to the hardware store and got a pipe and, you know, whatever somebody might do. Creativity is, is, is everything it's, we're doing it all day, every day. And when we, and what I found about myself actually too, is as an adult, um, wanting to expand my creativity has been, I think as an adult, sometimes hard to do because I'm doing like, I'm doing something new and I'm a, I'm a beginner at something right where I'm used to being good at whatever I do. Right. And I have this, I've I talked about this on the show a couple of years ago, I did a dance competition, a six week dance competition. And I had, you know, I danced when I was younger and done like, you know, throughout as an adult, like dance classes, like at the Y let's say. Right. <clears throat> but I really was interested in learning how to do like Latin dancing. I wanted to learn how to do tango, you know, variation. So I was in this six weeks, six week dance competition. Each week you're partnered with somebody new it's very stressful right because everybody's working and on top of this you have to practice and learn this this dance and and so we had our first competition right because you're actually competing in front of people and our first one was big there was probably 200 people there and my partner and i completely messed up completely messed up we were on the we started on the wrong side we were totally off these people are staring at us right the lights are shining on us and i remember I was so mad after that because I was like, we knew this, like we we completely messed it up, right? But we knew this. And I remember after that, that one of my friends was there and she actually said to me, Oh, I can't believe you did this. I would never do something like this. And I said, why? And she said, because I would never want to be bad at something. I'm not willing to be bad at something. And now I know not everybody wants to be bad in front of a large group of 200 people, right? But I, that really stuck with me after that whole dance experience because we went on and, um, I actually ended up getting sixth place out of like 15 people. So I was very proud of that because I was, you know, again, not, um, it was all new to me, but my willingness to do that and, and also seeing the other side of that where somebody had no willingness to try something new. Um, that, that I still remember that because I, I remember in my mind, I was like, your life must be boring then if you're not willing to try something new. In, in no matter what that is.
1: Oh, that it, you brought up so many important points there. It's first of all, one thing that came to mind first is one of the joys of getting older is at least for me.
2: Yeah.
1: I love making a fool out of myself because <laughs> I mean, I don't do it on purpose, <laughs> but, but if I do, I'm so free. I don't yeah. care. It's a great yeah. feeling. You don't care anymore. But so it brings me back to my childlike self. Where kids don't care if they mess up after right. before a certain age, before they get conscious about things. They just try things. Mm-hmm. And in the very fact of your having done that competition and whether you did well or didn't do well in your own mind, mm-hmm. you did something wonderful and were a success completely because you did it. Right. Right there and then. Right, right. then. Doesn't matter sixth place, first place, whatever. You did it. And somebody else didn't. Right. You know? So you stepped out of your comfort zone. And yes, it's very difficult for adults to try something new because we are so judgmental on ourselves. Yes. We've got to do this as well as we do our career, which we've spent 30 years doing. Right. By the way, right. you know. Right. And in six weeks,
0: I should be, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nobody remembers that it, it this doesn't happen in five minutes or one minute or 60 right. seconds. Right. No, we want it now. So yes, it's our own big fat ego that stands in the way of just trying something new and being an utter horror at it. But yeah. that's not the point of the doing something new. The doing something new is for our own fun, our own creativity. Yeah. If we put a non-nutritious thought in, like, I'm really bad at this, and what are people going to say, blah, 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 we miss our whole life.
2: Right. It's like
1: a kid refusing to take the next step forward because maybe they'll trip and fall. Well, then they're never going to get anywhere.
0: Right. Well, right. And, you know, I years ago, I was in a coaching program and the, the, and this has always stuck with me. The coach said, you don't see a bunch of people crawling around on the floor because they never learned to walk, right? They kept walking and then they would fall and they would get back up again. And I think with that experience with the dance, like I was horrified. I was so horrified afterwards because we had messed up. I was embarrassed, you know, all of these things. But my friend saying that to me, it, it was like a checkpoint for me where I was like, wait a minute. Yes, I can feel all these things, but I did this. I got up here and I did this. And that, that, that confidence and being able to, being willing to do that and just be like, Oh, well, after that, it could only go uphill, right? After that, I was like, Oh, well, here we are. Here we're going to, we're going to do it. And I think that helped me. Um, it helped me in other areas of my life because I didn't take everything so seriously. I wasn't so, you know, I didn't have to perfect everything. It was just, I could go do <laughs> this thing and there we go.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because perfectionism is the great killer of life. Yeah. Yeah. And you're building confidence, as you said, by doing something new and who cared how it went really. Yeah. But it's true that when you do new things, regardless how it goes, it builds confidence that maybe if you did a zip lining, which I haven't done, but I'm going to force myself to do. Maybe if I do that, I will do something else in it different in my career, for example.
2: Right, right. So it opens up horizons. It, it, it,
1: exactly. It's not mm-hmm. just the one thing. It's what it does in your entire psyche.
2: Yeah.
1: Open up yeah. your own possibilities because you are not the person that you think you are. Right. You're the person that you've created, but there are a million other possibilities of you that have never been, uh, that have never come simply because you didn't choose that particular path.
2: Right.
0: And
1: there is no
0: one you. And that is such, that is, again, that to me is such a freeing concept. Like it's, it, once we get that and understand that, that to me is so freeing. And one of the the themes that I, that I got throughout your book that I really, really liked is you, you talked a lot about um, following different paths that maybe it doesn't seem like the right one, or maybe it looked like a mistake at the time or whatever it might be, but all those possibilities and opportunities that come up as a result of that. Like we don't like, I know, you know, let's say in my twenties and even probably early thirties, I felt like I had to be on this map that had to go straight, you know, straight line like this. And if you slightly deviate, well, the whole thing is going to come crumbling down, right? Which as obviously as I've gotten older, that's the exact exact opposite of how you want to live. But that that freedom that comes with that, um, I, I really liked that theme. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and how that showed up in your life?
1: Sure, because every time I thought I was going to take a straight path somewhere, it went to the opposite direction. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, I thought I was going to live in this country for the rest of my life, and I left after one year. I thought I was going to live in this country for the rest of my life, and I ended up leaving after about 10 years. But there are no straight lines. Mm-hmm. Life is made up of just experiences. Yeah. Whether they fall together in a pattern is something we make ourselves. There's no such thing. As as a friend of mine said to me yesterday, life is really like a whole box of puzzle pieces that get dumped on the floor. It's up to you to put the picture together. And it may take you long time, short time to put this part together, whatever, but there's no such thing as a straight line, a straight line to what? Right. You really want a straight line to the rest of, to the end of your life. Right. I think so. What, what makes life interesting is what you experience along the way. There is no straight line even to what you think you want. Because right. what you think you want changes.
0: Right. And we change. And and I, that was one thing I really had to remind myself that, you know, change is okay. I can change my mind. It's okay to change my mind, right? That's actually part of the experience. And that, that straight line, I think, it, I mean, it showed up in my life is like, almost as if there's this, I just did a show about this, about how I felt like, Thing like I had blinders on or something because things I said I wanted in my life, which I didn't think I had were actually already there. I just couldn't see them in that way. And so to me, it's like that straight line has always been like the line of per, my perceived per perfection or something or the line of like, it's, you're never, you're never there. It's always this future point that you're always trying to get to, but you're never actually there. And, and it, I was like, well, wait a minute. Here is there. Like here I, where I am right now is there. I I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it with trying to dangle the carrot out in front of myself as if it's always inaccessible for me. I'm like, I'm not living that life anymore. So that, that, that straight line or that perfection that wants to creep in. Yeah. That's no, that's not the way that's not the, the life we want to live. I don't think.
1: No. And, and I'm so glad really that you discovered that early because, um, many people never discover that, Mm -hmm. that life There is here. (laughs) I like
2: that. Right. right. There is
1: here. And this putting this constant carrot in front. When I get there, everything will be. When I get there. There's always another when I get there. Mm -hmm. But the there is here. And life is made up of here's. Yeah. That's all you have. And if you're constantly living in a perceived there, you're missing everything. that You're missing your entire life. Right.
2: This is the life. Yeah.
1: This is it. Yeah. So... It's, and it's, it's not a scary thing, but it's an important thing yeah. to realize that as early as possible. And for people to say, well, you really need to do this so you can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is very dangerous.
0: It is. It is.
1: Their and perception it's- of your life, not your perception.
0: Right. And you talk a lot about that in the book, about living other people's lives or, or following paths because somebody else maybe couldn't follow that path or um, had this idea of how, of your, of what your life should be. And that, that living is dangerous. If you're living from someone else's desires or needs or expectations for you, it, it's not a, it's not a good way to live.
1: Not at all. Not no. at all.
0: I, I want to go back to the fear element of this too, because fear is often, as we discussed in the beginning, that, that peace that gets in the way. And, and for whatever reason we listen to it. Right. We're, we're very eager to listen to the fear and and let it shut us down. And you shared a, a story in your book about a man who was auditioning for a symphony, I think, and he was very nervous. And right beforehand, his uh, string broke on his instrument. And so he goes back and, and changes the, uh, the string. And he's kind of in this state of like, he has a shift because he's, he was, yeah, he was so nervous. And you talk about how when he was going, like when he was getting ready for the audition, it's like he experienced the fear, but then he experienced like the fear of the fear, like he was afraid of the fear, which adds another layer to the fear we're already experiencing. But what I, I really liked at the, um, like as his resolution, you talk about how he, he gave up his investment in fear. And we are, we're all so invested in the fear as if it's, the thing to be paid attention to or the thing to the the compass of our life well my fear tells me i can't do it so nope i better not right and the saying everything you want is on the other side of fear and it sounds so cliche but it is so true it is so true
1: this is this is really true i think what well what he told me when you've experienced your greatest fear within that certain situation yeah it could be released it already happened right People and you survived he survived, exactly. yes, and it was over. I mean, the fear—the the thing had happened. There was nothing to do but release it and go on without it, right? And the moment that he decided to just go with the flow and go without the fear, which had already happened, and went home, meaning the fear went home.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. he
1: was able to do what he had set out to do in the first place, right? Which was to fulfill his own potential, right? Because fear took a taxi and left. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it yeah, was, it was
2: over.
0: It was it
1: it, yeah. So and it was the greatest blessing for him in that situation.
0: It, and when we have those experiences, when we actually, and I'm sure everybody listening has felt this, where you have something that you really want, or you really, you know, you're really maybe whatever it is in your life and something unexpected like that happens. And you can experience And this, I imagine Maybe it was like what you experienced when you were at that music recital, when you were 12, you feel that shift internally, you physically feel that. And once you feel and understand that, then you, it's like, you get it. Then it's like, okay, that's what that feels like. I I've done this once. I can do it again. I can do it again. And it gets easier each time you do it.
1: You know, you're absolutely right. It It is an internal shift, an internal physical shift. You actually do feel as if there's some kind of tectonic plate or something that's yeah. moving Within your own psyche. And I don't know if that's a, a mental realization that has actually taken physical form.
0: Mm-hmm. Whatever
1: it is, it's a fantastic feeling.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's
1: a lesson that's been literally ingrained within yourself. Mm-hmm. And you may need a little, um, help with it again, but it is a lesson. And once you learn it, it does help you go on to the next situation. Yeah. It does help you. Yes. I can have fear as we said before, fear is not something not to have. It's just a question of how much you're going to, how much wisdom you're going to extract from it. And yeah. at what point you're not going to let it rule you.
2: Right, right.
1: So it, it's important, but it's not something to run from or listen to 100%, depending on the situation. Of course, I need to say that if you're in a, yeah. any kind of dangerous situation, you have to listen to everything that you have been born with to help you get out of it.
0: Right. And what we're talking about in this episode is the day-to-day things The mm-hmm. I want a, the different job, or I want to, you know, go after something. I want the, how, whatever it is, it could be anything in your life. We're talking about those things, those dreams you have those dreams that, you know, we often don't let ourselves have because the fear gets in the way. We tell ourselves it, you know, we can't have it, which leads me to the, another element of this. Um, when we want something different and we, we start to go after it, wanting something different requires change. And often what we find, I used to feel like I was doing something wrong because I had to change to get something different, which is so it's ridiculous to tell you that now, but that that's literally my mental path I had when I was starting on my own journey of of really shifting what was going on inside of me. I felt like, oh, well, I want this thing but now things have to change and that change felt wrong it felt bad it felt scary you know all of these things um and then we talk about also like the the unknown the future is unknown right and and how the you know most people are scared of the unknown and and but you say in the book that the future is only unknown until you join hands with it which i loved that absolutely loved <laughs> that that line so what what advice do you have for people about change about maybe Instead of running from change, we start to embrace change.
1: Well, the first thing I would say to people is look over your shoulder and see if you were, are now the same person or doing the same things that you did 10 years ago. Right. You've gone through change. Was it terrible? Maybe in some cases it was negative or positive, but you still learn from it. Life is about change. Right. Everything is about change. If you don't change, you die. Right. I mean, it's, it's very important to understand that change is our friend. And we're not necessarily talking huge changes, although they can be, but small changes. It's like, it's like really sailing a boat. You need to go and make small changes and adjust with the wind right. in, order to in order to go in the direction you think you're going. Although you might want to go somewhere else, but you need to constantly tack in your life yeah, with your sails and with your, um, the way that you're going to live. Because if you don't constantly adjust, you don't see the next um vision around the corner you don't see the next possibility if your scenery is always the same right you cannot see what's going to happen in your life or what opportunities may present themselves if the view is always the same so it's important to change even just to take another
2: look
0: yeah yeah and also i think if we're stuck in that fear we have that layer of fear over what we're seeing as well and so that that like hinders our understanding of what's going on around us and keeps us even further stuck in those. I, I, to me, I've always felt that as if it was a tight box, like I was bouncing off the walls because I couldn't move. I I had nowhere to move. And when we start to open ourselves up, you know, that that's living, that's the, that's living, that's the path that gets you to that next thing that you say you want.
1: Yes. That's the living. As you just said. Yeah. Yeah. The living is in movement. Yes. You don't want to be a crusty, uh, I mean, there, there's some place in, in in some biblical sense somewhere where I read, and I, I think it was Lot's wife. I'm not too up on these things, but yes. she turned back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. You cannot look backwards. You right. must always face the unknown and the future. And the unknown is your friend.
2: Yeah. The unknown, yeah. Has,
1: the unknown contains all the colors of your future, all the colors of your life. If you stay with one color, you will never have an interesting canvas, an interesting painting. Right. You need to have as many colors and as shades as possible. So the unknown is absolutely your friend. Yeah. And it can be changed because you are in charge of your unknown because there are billions of unknowns waiting for you. It's up to you to
0: choose. Right. One of my friends describes it as focusing forward instead of analyzing backwards
2: and i yes. absolutely very love good. that yeah yes.
0: absolutely yes. love that because that is a very simple way to to remind ourselves not to be looking back so much about what was how it should have been what wasn't you know all of this stuff instead of start embracing what you're looking forward to what's in the future right look and enbra- embracing the unknown just as you said there's there's so much Magic there that we don't let ourselves experience because we're fighting it or we're resisting it or we're scared of it or whatever. But there, if we just start to gently let our guard down there, there's so much living to experience in that too.
1: Well, you said it. Magic is in the future, yeah. not in the past. An analysis of what one has done is very useful so that we don't hopefully make the same mistakes right. over and over. But analysis doesn't change the past, only the future. So we must be future oriented. because that is where the magic lies. That is where the transformation, the transmutation lies in, in terms of our possibilities.
0: Right. Right. And, and another piece of that, you touch on this at the end of the book about letting go and letting things work out, right? Because that's as humans, we're so, oh, we all want to just grip onto the control, right? Thinking that we're actually doing something (laughs) by, you know, holding on for dear life. Right. But we use you describe in the book that when we do when we're able to let go that events have a way of recombining themselves in a way that we you know that would have been impossible for us to imagine and and again we can't we can't know everything right we think we know but we don't there's there's millions of possibilities that we cannot see but we think we know it all so if you somebody that might be that is interested in this that wants to start letting go, wants to start being more future-focused, wants to start being more creative. Where would you say they would they could start to maybe learn more, to learn more about themselves? And also, what are the benefits when people actually start doing this? Because I think we forget about what we gain from these things when we're willing to take this step.
1: I think that learning to let go, and I'll approach how to do that, lets us see who, we, who else we might be, mm-hmm. yes. the person we think we are. Yeah. Again, we are not one person. We are the person we've created, but we right. are many people. So depending on the situation and travel, that's why travel, if one can do that, is so interesting because it shows us who we are in different situations yes. and how we react. And I don't mean one has to fly off to the cruise around the world. You can do that by going to the grocery store and buying a different product.
2: Right.
1: But Doing something a little bit different than you normally do. And we all are on automatic very much in our daily lives. We get up, we do this, we do that. we do. Blah, blah, blah. But going to a different sort of movie, maybe, that we would never go to, mm-hmm. just to see our own reaction. Buying a different product, as I mentioned, that we would never buy because well, I don't buy that stuff. It's blah, blah, blah. Right. right.
2: Uh,
1: talking to someone who has a completely different opinion than we do. And we can't stand their ideas. We can't stand their opinions. Yeah. and Trying to approach that conversation, not with our usual stock and trade reaction, but from really seeing their point of view, Mm
2: -hmm. even if we hate it. Right.
1: Trying to do just some small things that are completely opposite to who we are. Taking a different route home and getting lost and seeing how it feels to get lost and not using your phone's GPS or whatever. Right. You know, just feeling what it's like to be lost and realizing you're not going to die if you get lost.
0: Right. You'll make You'll, it home.
1: Right. right? Just doing something that is going to put you out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. or your normal zone. Mm-hmm. And then maybe after that, you can do something that's completely different for you. That right. scares the bejesus out of you and, and you don't really want to do it at all. But um it, it brings out different facets of you. And right. the, the best creativity in the world is really finding out who you are, yeah. who you can be who's inside, how you react, that's really the most creative thing you can do with your life. Because when you find out what you're made of, then you can figure out how to give those gifts to a multitude of others because you have a multitude of selves. Right, right. Those who experience the most of themselves can therefore give the most to the world. And those who experience the least are trapped by that one persona and don't have as much to give.
0: Yes. And you can tell those kind of people. You can tell, you can tell when you've met a person who felt, tra- who feels trapped by their, their own selves, their own lives, but they would probably explain it as, you know, an excuse for somebody else has caused this, right? But you can tell those kind of people. And then you can tell the people that are expansive and open and who have done the work and had been interested, interested enough to do the work on themselves. And those are the people that are fun to be around. Those people are exciting. They, they, they show you a different, aside maybe than what you're used to living that I love being around people like that. And that's one one of the reasons I love doing the show. And I love talking to authors because I get to experience that when Mm -hmm. I talk to different people about their books, because perception and what we think we know we need to be skeptical of our own beliefs, right? Because we're just not, they're just not, what we think is just not always the truth. I mean, we have, we have so many layers and so many lenses we're looking through, but in this, this, exploration of creativity this willingness to to allow yourself to be creative and whatever that means for you it doesn't we're not talking you have to get a paintbrush and 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 a board right we're talking this could be anything in your life but that expansion that comes from creativity and as you said finding out who we are is like the joy of living right because we're 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 living for us we're living in in our own harmony we're not doing or living outside of um who we were meant to be or who we want to be. And that there's so much freedom in that. I know I keep saying the word freedom on this episode, but that's in this conversation. That's how it feels to me. That's what comes up for me is there's so much freedom. If we're willing to do this.
1: You know, the most interesting people and the most interesting lives and the most lives filled with freedom are those people who are not afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes are nothing at all. They're just what is a mistake? That could be a whole yeah. other show. But <laughs> people who are not afraid to just do something different or to get a different result than that, which is expected from others, Right. have the happiest lives, have the most lives filled with freedom because they're not filled with self-imposed or societal constraints. And as I mentioned in the book, that's why society loves uh weird entertainers. Right. And I put weird, not as a judgmental, but just as a descriptive here. Right. Because they allow us to fulfill those aspects of ourselves that we do not allow ourselves to do. Right. And that's why people pay hundreds of dollars to go see them. I mean, among other reasons, maybe. But that just shows how important it is to be different.
0: Yes. And how that's, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. No,
1: It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Not only for the the entertainer who is definitely living their own creative life, but for the people who are not allowing themselves to do that as much or feel that they can't, those entertainers are allowing them to do it. But maybe we could find in our own lives the courage and the uh, curiosity and the excitement of just being ourselves, whatever that is, and having the courage to find out what that is, because we only yeah. get one that I know of, one chance at this, one go yeah. around.
0: Right, right. And like, as we said, this is it. You're living it right now, right? You're living it. This is it. My guest today has been Jilda Joffe, author of the book, Dancing with Your Muse, Inner Magic to Release Fear and Embrace Creativity. And Jilda, before we close out, what do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book?
1: My greatest wish is that, people have the love for themselves, which they don't normally have, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to find out who they are, what their lives can be in whatever avenue they wish to pursue Mm -hmm. without listening too much to perhaps the short-sighted views of others. Right. Some people may have some good advice, but essentially it's your life and you really need to learn how to live it to the fullest potential to have that freedom of which you speak.
0: Yeah, live life on your terms, as we said at the beginning beginning of the book. Well Jilda, again I want to thank you for joining us. Can you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and your book?
1: Oh thank you, Sloan. Yeah they can form they can find me on performermindset.com, which is my website. Mm -hmm. And that's basically where you can get all the information about me. But I just want to say how much I've so much enjoyed this conversation with you, Sloan. It was just Really wonderful to talk to a kindred spirit, and I'm really hoping that this will help other people to to be kindred with their own spirits.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, I love that. Again, thank you, Jilda. It's been an amazing conversation. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Sloan.
0: You've been listening to the Create What You Speak podcast, brought to you by WebTalkRadio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Create What You Speak podcast, where we will continue to free our minds, expand our consciousness, and untangle those thoughts and patterns that keep us from living the life we desire. Check out my website, SloaneFremont.com, to learn more.